owner of golfnews.net. Ryan, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. Um, our pleasure. I'm just, you know, when I was reading that score, the minus six, uh, and we had this issue, I guess, with the Glen Abbey course for the RBC Canadian Open, and I guess a lot of courses have this issue with technology. I mean, you go back to 1992, those are different golf clubs. Uh, how is it that these courses maintain their integrity with all this technology? Because it really shouldn't be the case. It's really hard to do. Uh, th- this golf course is about 400 yards longer than the last time we saw it in 1992. But technology has more than passed it by in the intervening years. So you're playing a 7,300-yard golf course, which compared to recent major hosts is about three or 400 yards short. Uh, so these guys can take advantage of it pretty easily. And the biggest offense that the, the PGA of America or the other major uh, presenting bodies can come up with is tightening fairways, deeping rough, putting pins in really uncomfortable places, very close to edges, uh, three and four and five paces from edges. And that's really the best way they have to control scoring. But this week, with the rain that uh, fell on Monday and Tuesday, and just the difficulty that Bell Reeves had the last couple of summers with their greens, these, these greens are very receptive. Uh, these guys can score pretty well if they, they hit good shots. And, and so far, a number of them are scoring pretty well. Uh, as they like to say, horses for courses. So the way this is laid out, who does that favor in your mind? I think the longer hitters have to have a tremendous advantage because they can hit the ball high and far off the tee, and then they can hit the ball equally high with their second shots and not have to worry about holding greens. Um, They can kind of just fire at pins, especially with shorter irons. That doesn't mean to say that guys who are a little bit shorter don't also receive that same advantage. They're coming in with more difficult clubs to hold these greens, but because they're soft, they'll still be able to do so. But so far, at least among the guys at the top, we've seen a lot of guys that are a little bit longer than average, and and just so happens also the second-best player in the world is, is right up there right now. This is the way you described it. I mean, it's almost the exact opposite of the British Open in terms of conditions and, and how you would play it, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what Carnoustie was basically browned out, burnt out, going into the championship and greened up a little bit over the course of the week with a little bit of rain. Uh, it's the exact opposite here. They're hoping to dry it out over the course of four days and at least get it, the green speed a little bit faster. They have them slower on purpose because they can't really stress the greens too much with the bent grass in the summer they've had there in St. Louis. So it's been difficult for them to really ramp up the speed and get it to where they would normally like for this championship. So that's a little bit of adjustment for these guys as well as putting on American-style greens that are maybe closer to what you would see in a typical PGA Tour event or even a little bit slower than what they're used to seeing in a major championship these days. Uh, these guys always seem to go in, um, I guess, cycles. And, and last year, Justin Thomas uh, won this thing and went on, had a pretty good playoff, won, won one of the tournaments in the playoffs. Uh, who's trending that way this year for you? It's really interesting because the Firestone tournament that preceded this has kind of indicated where we're going to see a winner come from. Most of them have finished, been in that event, first of all, and a lot of the guys have been in the top 15 in the world. So you obviously have to look at Dustin Johnson and, and uh, Justin Thomas as the one and two players in the world right now who both have recent wins. So those guys seem to be trending in a good direction toward a second major each. I really like Tommy Fleetwood, too. He has played so well pretty much everywhere he has played around the world for the last two years. He's getting closer in major championships, and I think this could be a very good week for him. I would have said Tony Finau before this morning, but uh, he blew up out the gate, so maybe that probably wasn't the best prediction. But he's had a tremendous year as well. He was the only guy to be in the top ten in the first three majors of the year. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be his week, um, given the first nine holes that he played. So 
I, I think you have to look at the top of the world ranking. Right now, we're going to see some quality players, and we've got a lot of them who are way better than the guys underneath them. So I think we can expect to see someone in the top 20 in the world ranking win this thing. I'd, I'd be interested in the long shot. I mean, these are the best golfers in the world. Anybody's capable, right? into this tournament, I mean, you, you pretty much have a chance unless you're a PGA of America club professional, then you've probably got long odds at best to even make the cut. Um, the one guy who has played this championship extremely well the last five years is Jason Day, who really doesn't typically set up very well for this golf course, uh, given the way that he doesn't gain a whole lot of strokes in terms of his approach play, but he loves the PGA of America setup. Uh, he kind of flies under the radar here, given his talent level, given he's won a couple of times this year wouldn't call him a long shot by any stretch of the imagination, but I've seen him at 25 and 30 and 33 to 1 in different places. So people are disrespecting his ability, and uh, I think that might be at their peril. Uh, give us your thoughts on Tiger. He sits at 1 over through 11 holes today. I mean, is, is it uh, on him to make a statement in this event? I don't know that he has to make a statement for any particular reason. I mean, other than th- that him winning a 15th major after what he's been through would mean probably the greatest golf comeback story of this side of Ben Hogan. But I think it is important for him to continue to play well if he wants a Ryder Cup spot. I think that's kind of written in the stars at this point that he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team, but it's always positive to have momentum moving forward. And he's about to enter a part of the schedule which is really going to test his health. Uh, he's going to play a lot of golf between the, the Open Championship and the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs and then the Ryder Cup, basically eight times in 11 weeks. And, and that's a lot for anybody, but certainly for a guy who's been through so many back surgeries, four in the last few years as he's been, uh, it'll be a real test of where he is health-wise and how much stamina he has left in the tank. How would you rate his season? I mean, it's it's sort of a uh, it is a major success story in that he's he's very competitive and has sniffed around the leaderboard and certainly the British Open where he had the lead for seconds uh, got everybody's interest. But I mean, this is this is a major step in a comeback trail, isn't it? Yeah, I think we have to look at it from a long game perspective. Just just thinking back to maybe November when he said, all right, I'm going to come back and play my Hero World Challenge event, and then said, okay, well, I feel well enough to go play on the PGA Tour. I'm going to give that a try. I think most people would have said, hey, he got through four rounds and didn't fall in a crumpled heap at the end. That's great. That's progress. And then he showed in March, well, I can almost win. And then the the expectations were ratcheted up. And I think that some people probably figured that was maybe a fleeting moment, and then it became a little bit more consistent. And then all of a sudden he held the lead alone for an hour at the British Open for a Sunday. So I think that the expectations have continued to go up from his fans, but also for him. I think he probably didn't really have any concept of how far he could go with this at the start of the year. And now we're about to get a glimpse of how far he can go with this playing a traditional schedule, playing the same schedule the top 50 players in the world play at this time of year. And if he can hold up against that, then I think that's a huge step forward for his his health and his long-term prospects. In terms of how he's played, how does how does what you see now compare with? And I don't want to go back to the great years, but but those winning years, the year he won five tournaments, where everybody sort of crapped on him because they said, "Well, he always wins there," which I always had a big problem with. But that guy compared to this guy, how would that match up? I mean, age, obviously, age four back surgeries and and just natural progression of life. Uh, he doesn't practice as much. He's got kids who are kind of in that the funnest stage they're going to be before they want to be on their own. So he's very invested in that. Uh, he's got other stuff that he does. He runs his foundation. He's got course design work, uh, that, that a portfolio that's growing there, too. So he's got other interests, I think, as opposed to maybe even five years ago and certainly 18 years ago when he played his best golf and when he was totally locked in on the sport. That all said, I think he plays more of a defensive brand of golf than ever. He used to do that in major championships and be successful, but you can't do that now. That, that's not the way majors are played. Guys come out the gate 
going for a high lead, you know, a lead going, trying to go low, trying to establish something instead of building their way into the tournament like he did and Jack Nicholas before him. So I think he's kind of run up against his style versus the modern style, and it's put some pressure on his game. But overall, he's looked really good. I mean, his iron play has been fantastic. His short game has generally looked good. His putting has been weaker. Uh, I mean, there was a period there in the 2000s when we would bet the human race on him making a 12-footer, and it it would go down. Now I I don't think anyone would make that wager. So uh, his driving has always been kind of lackluster. It's still kind of lackluster. It's still pretty long, but it's not as long as Dustin Johnson or or the guys he is playing with for the first two days, Rory McIlroy and and Justin Thomas. So he's in a different position in life. He's not the lead dog anymore, and that's a little bit different for someone who's been used to being the, the guy who sets the tone and is threatening his entire career. Yeah, that visual of him when he was at his best, when he stepped on the green, I mean, the, the confidence just oozed out of him. You knew that putt was going to drop. That was something, wasn't it? Yeah, everyone everyone in that line of sight, whether you're watching on TV or you were in the gallery or you're standing on the green playing with them, you knew it was over. You, you knew what was going to happen. The outcome was predetermined. You didn't know how it was going to get there, but you knew what the outcome was. And now that's in doubt. And, and that's been in doubt for years now, but it does make Tiger, I think, a more compelling character, too, because you don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to come back, even if for a fleeting moment. I think that's why people were so enamored with him for that 60 to 90 minutes of the British Open thing. And Well, maybe maybe that guy's still in there, even for a couple of days, even for a little bit. Um, and people want that glimpse one more time, at least. Uh, PGA Championship, admittedly, of the four majors, is number four. Is there any concern about that? I don't know that there is. I mean, I think the PGA of America kind of accepts it is what it is. Moving to May will give it a little bit of a different profile that starts next year. So they'll be the second major. That opens up some venues for them. They can do some different things with the championship than maybe they've been able to do in August when people are kind of taking their mind away from golf and starting to put it into college and American football, uh, whether they're trying to put it into the, the races of baseball and all that stuff. And now they, they can move into May. They can be a little bit different of a profile. They still have the best field of the year of the four majors, and it baffles my mind that they have not figured out a way to market that to the general sporting public. They have the top 100 in the field pretty much every year at the PGA Championship. That is not any other major championship, and somehow people don't know that. That surprises people every every time they play it. So I, I think if they could find out a they can find a better way to market the depth of field and really market this as the most difficult major to win given the competition. I think they could have a character there, but they've never really invested in that. They've always seemed willing to kind of bring themselves down to the level that, yes, we are fourth of four. I mean, their, their tagline now for this championship is, this is major, almost to remind you that it counts for something. And uh, I kind of think that, that flies in the face of the history of the championship, which is, I mean, it's 100 years old. It's one of the oldest golf tournaments in the world, and uh, it just seems to kind of not acknowledge its own history and its own death. Ryan, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Ryan Ballinger, owner of golfnewsnet.com.